Nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm Claudia Romo Edelman. I am a Mexican Swiss diplomat that now, after 20 years of working for giant organizations that do humanitarian work, like UNICEF and the UN, the World Economic Forum, have created the World Human Foundation to advocate for a more inclusive and more tolerant world. Personal branding is essential not only for you as a woman, but for the entire community of women around the world. So I strongly recommend everyone to sit down, have a couple of glasses of wine with your friends, and start actually defining what are the three things that I want to be known for in five years and how am I going to get there. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Claudia Romo Edelman is a Mexican-Swiss diplomat, a special advisor at the UN, and a podcast co-host of Global Goals Cast. She shares how her work with a We Are All Human Foundation allows her to use her success to advocate for others who don't have a voice. So, Claudia, you said the Mexico City 1985 earthquake changed your life. How so? I was a teenager, and all of a sudden, the city was literally shaken up and destroyed. And there was no choice but to go outside in the street and try to find your family and friends, whether they were alive or whether someone was trapped. And when I was part of a volunteering team and I was sweeping one of the streets to make sure that, you know, like there was no one uh, with a team of people. And I just got uh, the attention. Uh, something got my attention. And I thought I hear a, heard a voice. But I was not really sure. And there was so much work to do. So I hesitated so much in crying out until I said, like, hey, hello. Stop. I think there is a voice here trapped. And, and someone of the team turned around and said, like, what? And so when I managed to actually scream again, and I think, like, OK, I feel in my guts, there is someone here, and I think I hear a voice. And everybody came, and we pushed that big, big stone uh, to release finally, you know, like what there was a, the, the ending of a house that was destroyed. And we saw that six-year-old girl. She saw me with those eyes of like, you got me, right? And I also knew that it was because being loud, that was a feeling I wanted to have. <laughs> I mean, you know, like all my life, everybody told me I was very loud, but it was the first time that it was useful for someone. And so it changed my life because I decided to do that for a living and do that for the rest of my life in different causes. What's your advice for women who are looking for meaning in their lives? I think that everybody's looking for meaning. The question is whether you're able to open up and listen to your heart and see exactly what's your... I was loud. And I knew that, that I knew that everybody. And so by finding my passion, my being, and connected to something that felt useful was the formula. And I've seen that again and again. People that are really find their passion and put it together with purpose, then it makes them unstoppable. So my advice would be, who are you and what do you care about? And once you put those things together, and might be, you know, like gathering, gathering people, convening people, or being able to be a multiplier, or being able to provide a megaphone to others, or provide mentorship. And once you find that who you are and you match it to a need that you see in front of your eyes that moves you, 
then just go for it. I think that there's so many opportunities right now, particularly because the world is becoming, you know, like with a bigger heart. There's more purpose. There's consumers asking, actually, where am I going to buy? I'm going to buy with my beliefs. And they are also saying, I'm only going to work for companies that have a heart and that I align with myself with. So the world is moving into the direction of doing good. So it is a time to actually let that meaningful purpose, passion of yours to come out and do something. What do you say to women who are afraid of being loud because it may intimidate a guy? Well, I, that's the story of my life pretty much. But again, I think that in 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 the past five years, we've seen a transformation in front of our eyes uh, led by a number of people that have been criticized for being loud or being too aggressive or being too bossy. And I think that we've, we've come to a place which is not shattered yet. I mean, like I'm going to the World Economic Forum now knowing that, gee, we've made progress, but we have not really broken the glass yet. In the case of Hispanics, for example, uh, 74% of Hispanics in the workforce have said that they have to pretend to be someone they are not so that they can mold in and be part of the culture. And that is pretty much the case for Hispanics, uh, for, for women as well, that we have to pretend to be men so that we can incorporate in ourselves. So I, I, I actually think that there's some moderation to be done on both, both sides. The future of men is pretty much at question right now. So being loud is okay as long as you're loud naturally. And I think that you have the comfort of knowing the, the man have to adapt to the new reality that we're not there yet, but we should continue. Just don't not pretend to be loud if you are. How do you know we're almost at that point of things sort of breaking through for women and not at the point where things are going to go backwards because there's reports of men not wanting to mentor women, so to speak? The story has to be written, and I don't necessarily see it, but we have seen social transformations in front of our eyes, you and I, and, you know, like I've, I've been doing that for a living as well, where if you see the transformation of the LGBT community, for example, where even five, seven years ago, the community was pretty invisible, pretty shy, uh, pretty pretty retracted from being open about being part of a community and not being part of a community. There were like many different groups of, you know, like many different minorities, if you want, of different people. But they were not loud as a community. They didn't have a single voice and probably was based on fear of actually having a detriment in your career or in your family and having any potential backlash. And if you see it now, only a couple of years later, you see a community that is unified, a community that is visible, is proud, and brands that are taking them and putting rainbows in their, you know, like in their windows and having, um, and having the opportunity of being open about being part of the community probably means that they will be promoted. You know, like so. And I think that that's a transformation that I want to take as an example for women that I want to see like, okay, so you see it, it is possible for all of us to be able to be community. But women that help women have a special place in heaven. And so we just have to create that sense of community as, as well among ourselves. And we have to find a couple of things that unite us. The case of the LGBT community was marriage. And they had one calling, which was a public one, which was pride. I think that we still have to find ourselves, what are the, what are the things that all women all around the world can, you know, like rally so that we can rally against them. But again, I think that a sense of community uh, is coming, a sense of, of breakthrough is coming. And I, I still see the numbers being shy, 
But I, I see also that we have a possibility of bringing men on board in order to avoid the backlash. You've done so much work in the charitable field. I just want to see if you have advice to women who want to help but don't have a lot of time or money to give to charity. Oh, my God. I mean, like, time is a different story, but money is not the way to go, literally. Right now, consumers, taxpayers have by far more power than ever before, particularly because the lack of trust in institutions is so high. You can, as a consumer, it's like brand democracy. You can, as a consumer, modify your brand so that they can put the pressure in the government so that they can things done. There's an expectation from consumers that, you know, that that's going to be the case. So at the end of the day, for people that want to do good, uh, but not necessarily have a lot of money, a lot, a lot of time, use your consumer power to express what you want. Make sure that you 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 tell companies, this that you did, this time that you stood up for women, you stood up for something I believe in, you stood up for tolerance, you stood up for something, I'm going to compensate you and I'm going to buy your product. Because anyways, if you're going to buy between one product or another, choose, you know, like choose to be a conscious consumer. You've said that there's no better moment in history to be a girl. Absolutely. What do you mean? I've seen so much progress. And the one area and the one area that I feel there is there's danger out there is that divisive language is getting by far more traction. And nevertheless, it is because we're so surrounded by negativity that we don't know, but the world is making progress in any macroeconomic, you know, like you, you ask me, I'll tell you, if you would be a baby girl waiting to be born from the cave time to, you know, like middle age to 100 years ago, five years ago to today, there is no better time for women to have the opportunities we have. In 193 countries, we have the right to vote. We're like so close to be the meet the gender gap in education. Girls are increasingly more in school. In 1970, we were like 75% of were in school. In 2015, it's 95% are in school. Uh, we have 85% of all the world that have received that received vaccinations. Um, 84% of the world population has access to electricity. So from wherever angle you see it, from education, from vaccination, health, uh, voting rights, all of it, the world is getting better and it's getting better for women. You mentioned divisive language. What effect does divisive language have on people? Incredible. Uh, in, in so many different levels, at the personal level, at the societal level, and at the you know, governmental level, and as a system. Divisive language is getting so much traction that we're at the danger of forgetting and creating those bubbles of the otherness. So increasingly now, it has happened historically. You have seen the consequences historically. I don't even have to go there. But the issue that technology and social media have increased that um, and accelerated the pace of divisiveness and accelerated the size and the thickness of the bubbles in which we're, uh, we're, we're living is quite dangerous. Um, first of all, because, for example, um, Countries are closing their borders, not only not only metaphorically, but also, for example, the amount of foreign aid that has been provided to the world is going down. And multilateral multilateral frameworks are at risk right now, which would be very, very dangerous. And all of that is coming as a divisive language that transforms into a nationalism, that transforms into a populism. At the personal level, at the societal level, the amount of bubbles that technology allows you to be part of mean that when you come out of them, you get scared. 
And so migration fears rise. Um, you have a sense of, you know, like the, the need to be protected by borders and by walls. And a lot of the issues that you can see in America right now are the result of divisive language. And again, just at the personal level, um, when you start being fed by algorithms that only allow you to receive information of the things that you already believe in, then you think that that's the reality and that the world is only the way that you see it. And the world, fortunately, is getting browner, is getting more feminine and with a bigger heart. So if you are in a bubble that is different to that, then you're going to have a problem accepting it. And again, I think that that's where you see countries like America losing its ground from being an American dream and America greatness and start forgetting it and becoming um, groups and tribes. Coming up, Claudia Romo Edelman talks balancing her roles as an accomplished leader and being one part of a power couple. WSJ Special Access gives you a front row seat to some of the Wall Street Journal's most exciting content, like The Quirkier Side of Life, a new series that features the fun, surprising stories our reporters come across. The chief executive walks 10,000 barefoot steps every day. He recalls stepping on a bee, which put him off earthing for a couple of days, but he got back to it. Check out The Quirkier Side of Life on WSJ Special Access, only for WSJ subscribers. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. You say Hispanics need to unify. What do you mean? The Hispanic community is uh, incredibly powerful in America. 55 million people here, 18% of the population. But we're divided in our voices. We're divided because we haven't seen our own power. 77% of Hispanics have no idea of their size, their contribution, or actually their, you know, like their contribution to America for being great. And... Because of our countries of origin, we think in little bubbles like I'm Mexican, I'm Cuban, I'm, I'm, I'm Colombian. As a fact, I'm Cuban from Miami, which is different than Cuban from Chicago and so on. And so there, those bubbles prevent us from acting as one. And as such, we're invisible in media, we're invisible in government, we're invisible in politics, we're invisible, like we're, we get 50% of the pay. This is the community, the largest community, minority community in America, and yet the least paid, like of all the groups in America, we're the least represented and we're the least voting. So when you look at the representation, if you would look at it as an album, photo album of your class, um, 20% of the photos would be not only missing, but actually inactive. And when you have such a growth population, young and voting and buying and consuming that don't necessarily know their power and don't necessarily know that they are a community, then you're going to start seeing in the future probably uh, uh, the young populations being disenchanted disengaged, believing that the American dream is not possible and therefore voting less and, and buying less. So the Hispanic community, and that's exactly the main goal of World Human, is to unify, to bust the bubbles of the 26 different nations and origins to become one so that we can exercise the full power and really be the middle class, uh, the, the muscle of the middle class of America. Can you elaborate on how unifying is going to help the Hispanic women 
get higher pay because many of them have a much bigger pay gap than, say, white women? Because we're not barking or neither biting and we're invisible. And again, 74% of the workforce in America has to pretend to be who they are not. And... Um, and we are not we're not clear of our own contributions, therefore we're not demanding um, enough. But the time has come for Hispanics to start acting as not only as a unified community, but one community that is solidarity with each other. Buy Hispanic, hire Hispanic, lobby for Hispanics. When one Hispanic rises, everybody rises. And when you start demanding, when you start understanding your own power, one, you start acting more. Number two, you want to be valued more and therefore you're going to be unified and acting the same way that the Asians have done it or other communities have done it. We have to learn the lessons. Chinese and Japanese historically have never gotten along. And nevertheless, they go and lobby together. They go and lobby together for scholarships. They go and lobby together for places in universities and so on. That's exactly the same. Once you're united and you know your three points of the agenda, what are the three things that together we have to do so that we can all rise? Then we're going to start lobbying together. And the three things that I know that they were coming as from the United Nations um, Hispanic Leadership Summit are very clear. Education, financial empowerment, and change of perception. If we, if we unify our lobbying only on those three, we would be in a much better shape for women and for all. How do we think so many Hispanic women are starting their own businesses? So 86% of every single new job in America has been created by Hispanics since, this, since the Great Recession. Latinas create jobs, uh, small, uh, small, uh, small and, and medium businesses, six times faster than any other group in America. This is a community of entrepreneurs, natural entrepreneurs. They open their little kitchen on one corner. They open a, you know, like a, a little uh, place to sew your, your costumes and so on. So all together, this group creates jobs. 50% of every new job in America, like from the Hispanics, is created by women. The only problem we have is a problem of scaling up. Latinas remain two to three employees all the time. But the growth is still there. 70% 70, 70 of all the Hispanic jobs grow. And that has an incredible consequences in the GDP that we, that we provide for this country, which now equals to 12%. This is a market of $1.4 trillion. So altogether is driven by entrepreneurs. And half of the entrepreneurs are Latinas who don't know how to access capital, how to access financial, you know, like literacy, literacy or empowerment, and therefore are not scaling up. Once you just imagine what will happen once the community is aware of their own power, aware of their own power to demand and get more, but also more educated, more educated about the tools that they need to bring that entrepreneurship to growth. So what's one step a Hispanic woman could take today to feel more financially empowered? I think that there are a number of institutions that are after Hispanics uh, because they see the grow, uh, particularly financial institutions like are very, very hot for Hispanics, for Latinas. The question is whether they're reaching out in a way that would allow Hispanics to um, trust them immediately because we know that you're after our wallets. There's no question. The question is whether we're going to demand a little bit more 
uh, and say like, we don't only want brands to love our wallet. We want them to ro to love our growth and our empowerment and give us training and give us skilling and give us, uh, you know, like community services so that we can scale up as opposed to just providing um, access to certain, you know, like to certain segments of society. So if you're a woman and you like, if you're Latina and you want to grow, there are a number of institutions out there. There's someone amazing called uh, Nelly Galan, who has an institution called Adelante. There's a number of, uh, uh, you know, like there's a number of other banks that are having an incredible, Chase does incredible micro, you know, like credits and, and access to capital for women. There are like a number of, um, a number of funds that are dedicated to Latinas and all of them are in the space quite easily, quite accessible. But now the question is, are they, you know, have we broken and have reached critical mass? Of course not, this is just the beginning. You and your husband are considered a power couple. What's the secret to making a relationship with two very successful people work? <laughs> he is amazing. I think that the key is I, I the key is I'm lucky and he's he's someone he's the most com complete person, most layer person I know. And so being with someone that I respect, that you respect so much, helps tremendously. Um, I think we're very quota driven. So we're very organized in terms of like the time. I seem like we are like, okay, so at least 20% of the time we're going to have time for ourselves. At least 10% of the time we're going to devote it to, you know, like the, keeping a healthy life, at least this. So we're like literally metrics and every three months we go and measure whether we did it or not. I seem like, okay, have we, um, have we managed to have enough time with your family, with my family, with the kids, with this, with, with the sports. But the other thing is like, have fun. I, I think that overall, uh, couples that are so engaged in their own jobs, it's easy to get lost. You know, like it's easy for me to not lose track of the time and be working until one or two o'clock in the morning. And, you know, like just like being completely devoted to right now, for example, the Hispanic community. And, and sometimes it's like, no, you know what? I have to invest in my relationship and I have to make sure that um, we're going to have like Again, 20% of the time on fun. I heard every night you congratulate yourself. You praise yourself for something you did. <laughs> that's something that that's something that someone told me as a fact. A woman told me very early on my years when I was living in Mexico 29 years ago, just like coming from my prom, actually. I left Mexico and I was like, I don't know whether I'll come back. I never worked in Mexico ever. So when I was arriving to Europe, I had this woman who was like, wow, super. I was totally impressed with her. And she said, like, you know what, there are two things that you need to know. The first one is you need to you need to celebrate the progress that you're having every day, even if it's not a lot of progress. Um, and the second one is that you have to devote time um, for the things that matter in the right amount. And I think that those two two pieces of advice and the third one, she said, like invest in service. By the way, she was like, I know that you in Europe and everywhere, women try to do it all, but you have to actually make sure that you devote the time for the time that you need. And whatever, if you can, just like start investing in service as opposed to try to do it yourself. So that has been an incredible advice for me because every night I do think like, what did I do today that I can sleep on thinking that was good? And it's a great habit to have. Because then you wake up with a bit more of an incentive of being always part of a winning team that, you know, like that can keep things going. I think that we're in the business of making everybody feel that way. Every Everyone wants to be part of a winning team. And there's so much appetite and market for 
hope and for progress and for celebration, particularly when we're so bombarded by negativism. You're really passionate about public policy. What would you like to do in this area in the future? Well, in the very, very short term, I think that I would like to make sure that every candidate for the elections in America in 2020 has a very clear and compelling Hispanic agenda incorporated in their campaign uh, political platforms so that we as a community can see who has incorporated. If it's true that our vision 2020 for Hispanics is education, financial empowerment, and perception, I want to see that in every single candidate, uh, you know, like platform moving forward so that we can decide where to vote, whether it's a party or, you know, one candidate or one origin doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I think that public policy is defined by, you know, like in, in these terms, particularly when we have elections so just across the, the line, um, it's going to be very important. The other thing that I would like to see very much in public policy is um, a heavier investment in education, particularly in the time of the future of work, uh, for a social contract that prevents uh, people losing their jobs and being scared of, you know, automation, just to feel more protected. Because I think that's an area that has still some time to go, some growth. You're a branding expert. What personal branding advice would you give to women who want to build themselves up and build their own brand? I actually train on personal branding because that's an area where women naturally are less, you know, like inclined to do. It is personal brand is incredibly important and it's going to happen with or without you. And at the end of the day, you need to make sure that you have your northern star very clear and that you say, like, what are the five, three to five things that I want to be known for uh, in five years? And what are the steps that I have to do right now? What are the what are the three things that I'm known for right now? What are the three, three things that I want to be known for in five years' time? And what are the steps then to make sure that that gap happens? You have a a really good action plan moving forward for the next five years. But make no mistake, personal branding is essential, not only for you as a woman, but for the entire community of women around the world. So I strongly recommend everyone to sit down, have a couple of glasses of wine with your friends, and start actually defining what are the three things that I want to be known for in five years, and how am I going to get there? Time now for your secrets. I'm Claudia Romo Edelman, founder of World Human Foundation. My money secret is to treat money as if it would be energy. So it comes and goes, but it's actually how you want to manage it, that it flows. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos. John Wardock is the executive producer of WSJ Podcasts. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. What's your secret? Let us know. Write podcasts at DowJones.com. Or on Twitter, use hashtag Secrets of Wealthy Women. <laughs>